0: You are listening to the Ridgewood Church Podcast on a sermon series that will take us through the Gospel of John entitled, Learning Jesus. Jesus was going back and forth with a group of non-believing Jews. It was at the Feast of Tabernacle and earlier in this festival... Underneath those flaming torches that were lit in the temple that shined over all of Palestine, Jesus had made that amazing claim, I am the light of the world. But now, he was about to claim something even greater. But his listeners didn't care. They they weren't understanding. They felt like they didn't need what Jesus was peddling, the forgiveness of sin, because they were sure that their birthright had already made them right with God. But Jesus kept telling them over and over again, to follow God means you follow me. And that's the basis of the narrative in John 8, from verses 31 through 47. But now, things are heating up. They, they didn't want anything to do with Jesus. In fact, the claim he would make send them into a frenzy. Because he claimed to be more than a god... He claimed to be more than the God of those hated Samaritans and Gentiles. In fact, he looked right at them and claimed to be their God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But still, they wouldn't believe. Don't make the same mistake Because their lack of understanding, their lack of receiving, caused them to die in their sins. But embracing this claim will allow you to have life. Abundant life. Transformed life. and eternal life. Because this is such a unique claim. In fact, it's an over-the-top claim. But the one thing that we know for sure, it's a saving claim claim. And now, as it was then, it's a claim that simply stunned the world. And so we're going to unpack that claim this morning, and we're going to learn more about our Lord Jesus Christ. So open your Bibles, if you would, and we're going to turn to John chapter 8, and we're going to begin this morning in verse 51. And if you want to use that Bible that's in the, the rack in front of you, you can just open it to page 895 And feel free to use the Ridgewood app as well, and all of the information will be there by just tapping Media, Study Notes, and it'll take you right to today's date. John 8, beginning in verse 51. This is the last of our I Am statement section in our study in the book of John, and this is not one of the official seven, but this is what I would call the I Am statement to the Jews. And it's really important because the debate was on. Jesus was introducing himself, but they weren't listening to him. They contended, because they were in the line of Abraham, that they were all set to go. But Jesus was saying to them that, in a spiritual sense, they weren't sons of Abraham at all. And you want fireworks? Jesus even will contend that their real father is Satan. Jesus was not afraid to confront with truth. And so that all helps set the stage for this amazing claim. And we begin to see this dialogue now in verse 51, and Jesus opens here with an outrageous and provocative statement. Look with me at 51. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. So, in this first statement, Jesus returns to the central mission, and John records it that way. The Lord's ultimate mission is to offer life. And this was, of course, John's central theme believe in Jesus and find life, believe in Jesus and be saved. And so here with a strong assertion, truly, truly, or I tell you the truth, Jesus proclaims that if a person keeps my word, which is equivalent to just remaining in Jesus or obeying Jesus or walking alongside of Jesus, he will never see death. Now that's a provocative statement. And he can say that and has the authority to offer it because Jesus has the words of life. Look at what John wrote in John 6, 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And I love this phrase. The flesh is no help at all. And so if you think somehow that you have something in yourself to offer God to spiritually save you, you are off track, just like these listeners were off track. Jesus offers life. And he makes a promise here that his followers will not see death. And it's true. Our bodies will die. They'll stop existing. But our spirits will live on forever for the followers of Christ. And this isn't about the followers of Jesus live on in heaven and then the rest are annihilated and cease to exist. There is an eternal future for everyone here. The question is, where will you spend eternity? Now, John dealt with this issue a lot. For example, in 524, he records Jesus saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes in the one who sent me has eternal life. And then he says, he does not come into judgment and has passed from death to life. So there is a judgment on sin, but Christ offers life. In 6, both 40 and 47, verses 40 and 47, the same idea is right there. Whoever believes in me has life. But the flesh is no help at all. And so there's there's kind of two extremes. Yesterday I was out doing some yard work on Friday or something, I can't remember. When you have a, a, a child playing Little League, you lose track of all time and space. So I was doing some yard work, and I happened to meet a man who lives across the street now. He had just moved. He's an older man lives with his daughter. Just a sweet guy. He's, he's, he told me, you know, I'm here. I'm terminally ill. My heart is going to give out. So we just started chatting. And he was telling me that he grew up Pentecostal, then he became Roman Catholic. But he listens to Southern Gospel. And I thought, wow, you're kind of eclectic. So I said, well, so after all of that, where do you weigh in on heaven? And he, and he looked right at me, and he said, oh, well, I'm going to hell. And I said, well, why do you say that? Because all of the things I've done I can never be forgiven for that. And so that gave me an opportunity just to share... The basis of the gospel that christ came and saved him and asked him to go and he said he had a couple of bibles at home i asked him to read john 3 16 and i hope that'll be an ongoing discussion but here's the reason i point that out because he's on the opposite end of the spectrum than these guys these guys thought they didn't need jesus he thinks that his sins disqualify him either side of the equation will keep you from experiencing eternal life with christ And what Jesus is offering is the forgiveness of sins. But here these listeners were saying, no, we don't need any of that because we are descendants of Abraham. But the retort to Jesus' comment in that first saying in 51 shows how they weren't thinking spiritually at all. They were temporally minded. Their hearts were hard. Look at 52. The Jews said to him, After Jesus had said that his followers received life, the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets, yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Well, his opponents were thinking only of physical death, so they're getting all confused. They had a temporal frame of reference. and Here's what happens with hard hearts. They think only in human terms. Can't see beyond what's in front of us. And that happens to us as believers, too, when we allow sin to infiltrate our hearts and we become distant from God, we begin to see things in a temporal form. And we forget that God is operating at a completely different level. But here we can see it really clearly. I want you to take a close look at this verse, verse 52. They, of course, knew that Abraham had died. Jacob had died. David had died. But when repeating the words back to Jesus, they used different terminology. Jesus said, Never see death. His opponents twisted that phrase to Never taste death. Now, there are two slightly different but really important ideas here. To taste death was to physically experience death in the body. So they were still on that track. So you're saying, you're saying then that we'll never die physically if we follow you. And that's why they're all confused. Because Abraham had been dead for a thousand years or whatever. No, what Jesus was saying, his phrasing, never see death, is an eternal idea. It's about eternity that we will never die. And so that's why these Jewish nonbelievers were stuck because they couldn't think spiritually. It was all temporally. And so Jesus continues to just speak truth to them and the argument intensifies and their temporal perspective becomes clearer. Look at 53. Well, are you greater than than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? And that is the question, isn't it? Who do you make yourself out to be? This is really the key question that we must answer. Who is Jesus? John is intent on showing us who Jesus really is. Here's the question. Who do you make yourself out to be? And we have to answer that question for ourselves. Who do we think Jesus is? Because culture doesn't have this right. They think he's a great guy. They think that he walked the face of the earth, most likely. They think that he's a really leading religious figure, but they don't give him any credit for rising again. They don't believe that that possibly could have happened, or that he is God. So the question is, who do you believe Jesus is? If you believe the claim that he'll make here in a moment, then your life can change significantly, not just eternally, but you can be transformed by the power of Christ. You can find new hope, new meaning, and new purpose but you have to grapple with that question even as a believer when trouble comes into your life you have to keep asking that question who do i really believe jesus is is he powerful enough loving enough to deal with the stuff that i'm dealing with and that's the question they asked who 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 do you make yourself out to be And it's the answer to that question that is stunning these non-believers. And it's leading now to that claim. It's getting there. Look at 54 through 56. Jesus answers the question with truth that their enslaved minds couldn't comprehend. They claim to have a relationship with God, but they didn't. Jesus did. Jesus has a relationship with the Father God. Who is their father? Satan. Remember the question. Who do you make yourself out to be? 54, Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. Jesus was really weak and minced words, didn't he? But I do know him, I keep his word, your father Abraham, spitting the words right back at them, your father Abraham, you say, rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So what's Jesus saying here? He's saying that he's the true spiritual descendant of Abraham and not them and so what we see here is that jesus fulfills the messianic promises of god this is what these guys thought they believed so there's two aspects of this that's really important i'll point out real quickly first this verse what he's saying with his relationship with the father is my father knows me and he would vindicate any any charge in this ridiculous demon possession thing that's that's totally ridiculous. But the more important part of this is he's saying that Abraham believed in Messiah. In Genesis 12, 1 through 3, we see the promise laid out that Messiah would come through to the descendants of Abraham. And then later on in Genesis, we see that Abraham was saved because he believed. And that's what Jesus is referring to. But here are these these people standing there going, well, we, we're, we're followers of Abraham. And Jesus is saying, how can you be? You don't even believe what he believed. And so Jesus is starting to back them into a corner. But still they didn't believe. They were thinking literally again, not comprehending deeper truth. So in 57, they try again. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and have, have you seen... Abraham, you see, they aren't getting the physical, spiritual part of this. Now, if the Lord's answer back in 56 was true, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day, then everything that they've been arguing is, is worthless because they really can't be disciples of Abraham if they don't believe in Messiah. Now, Jesus comes along and says, Hey, Abraham, he, he believed and found joy in this day. I'm standing right here. I'm before you. But they wouldn't believe. Their hearts were hard. Jesus came to offer them life. But they wouldn't believe. Jesus was Messiah. They wouldn't believe. Jesus is trying to tell them, Do you understand? I know you're a physical descendant of Abraham. But if you are, then you need to believe in me. But they wouldn't. And here's why it's important that they believe, and it's important that we believe Jesus offers real freedom. These guys were in bondage to their logical, religious thinking. Their spiritual blindness was so obvious they couldn't get beyond temporal. If you look back with me at verse 32, still in chapter 8, but back in 32, you see Jesus allude to the freedom that is offered through the truth that these listeners were not buying into. If you abide in my word... You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What he meant was, I can free you from sin that enslaves you simply by believing in me, by believing in the word that is all about me. And Jesus offers freedom if we're willing to believe and submit ourselves to him. He offers freedom in so many different areas of life. he, he offers freedom for for my friend who, who's convinced that he's going to hell. can you imagine living out your last days with that viewpoint? man I've been I was praying for him all day yesterday I can't wait till the next time I see him I'm going to go hard at him this time I'm going to come and throw Bibles at him or maybe Christian CDs or something, you know, like start flinging them across the driveway. But he also has freedom from shame and self-loathing and doubt and all of the stuff that eats away at our soul. There's freedom in Christ because the truth, which is belief in Jesus, will set you free. Unfortunately and sadly, these these listeners were still stuck but now Jesus had gotten to, he'd gotten to them where he needed them to be. And he's going to make the claim. He's got the platform. He's got them set up. And here it comes. But they're not going to like it. Because the claim would dismiss them as frauds. The claim would demand obedience. The claim would strip them of their privilege. And they weren't going to like it. Here's the claim in 58. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That sentence shook them to the core. they have been standing there, battering Jesus, and in one sentence... He dismisses their argument because this claim was a claim to divinity. But actually, I should have added more to this line if I would have had more room because it is so much more here. And if you go back to that verse, again, Jesus starts with truly, truly, which is I tell you the truth. And he wasn't just claiming to have been alive before Abraham. He would have just said that. I existed before Abraham. But that's not what he said. He went further. He said before, Abraham was, I am. And there's a strong conceptual link with the Old Testament. And I'm guessing that these hearers who knew the law and and knew what had been written were frozen in their tracks. Because they knew what Jesus was saying. And we can see what he's saying in the Old Testament. First, in the book of Isaiah, we can see. So here's what Isaiah wrote. Who has performed and done this? Calling the generations from the beginning, I the Lord, the first, and with the last I am He. There's that phrasing. Okay? Even more to the point, do you remember when Moses was going to go back to Egypt and he's talking to God at the burning bush? And he said, Okay, fine. Who should I say sent me? Let's take a look at that verse, Exodus. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. This is who Jesus is claiming to be. This is who he's claiming to be. The God that was dialoguing with Moses at the burning bush. Yahweh the God of Israel, the the God of the universe, and they were stunned. And, And this claim has forever caused religious debates about who Jesus is. That's why it's so important that you answer that question, who do you believe Jesus is? Do you believe this claim? Because it forces a decision. We can no longer have Jesus sitting in the middle ground going, I like him. He's cool. Yeah, he's neat. Like, we go to church. I like Jesus. No. You either accept him as being God and submit to him or you have to dismiss him. That's what these listeners were now faced with. And guess what? They made their decision so quickly. They turned and they tried to kill him and there was a stoning And it was just simply a case of misplaced loyalty. And this is what happens when you rely on religion rather than on truth. Look at 59. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out to the temple. And this is where the irony is. Technically, in the law, in the Old Testament, there was stoning for blasphemy. They thought Jesus was blaspheming, so they started throwing stones at him. But in fact, who were they throwing stones at? The very one they had claimed allegiance to. And now they're trying to kill him. And Jesus is right. They're acting like their father, the devil. It's an amazing passage. And if you ever are doubting and wondering, just go back and look at 858. Before Abraham was, I am. All right, so let's just do some quick practical application to this. There are some really good practical takeaways here, and it's important that we go through this because I don't want this theological concept just to hang there. I want it to affect your life. First, it's really important that you don't rely on religiosity to be saved. Religion doesn't save you. Denomination doesn't save you. Being a good churchgoer doesn't save you. In fact, it may get you more messed up if you're starting to rely on that rather than a relationship with Christ. Don't rely on that. When you come to the foot of the cross, when you die someday and you're standing before Jesus, you want to get into heaven, Jesus' robe of righteousness is the only thing that's going to get you there. Don't rely on religiosity to be saved. Secondly, look for and accept the truth. These These people would not, they just wouldn't hear. And there are parts of our lives, we all have blind spots, I I can read the Bible over and over again, and I'm sure I'm missing things that I'm not correcting in my life. That's why it's important that we read, we pray, we tie them with other believers. That's where I always hammer at home community groups to live life in front of other people. The Holy Spirit guides us, but be open to what God's telling you. And then finally, and most importantly, believe in Jesus and find life. Life is only found in Christ. No other way. Don't go looking. Don't go searching. Your spiritual journey can stop here and now because Jesus claimed to be the I am. Jesus claimed he was God. He was dismissed by these Jewish leaders, but he made a claim that changed the world, that stunned the world. The question is, What are you going to do about that claim? Let's just take a moment in quiet reflection. What are you going to do about that? Who is Jesus? What parts of yourself are you going to give to him? Or for the first time, are you going to say, I believe, Jesus, that you are who you say you are, and I want to follow you, and you will have life? Just bow your heads for a moment, and then I'll close in prayer. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast.